Okay, welcome back, all you ladies and gentlemen. Uh, today we're doing Sutta Napata number 15. <clears throat> um, moving right through the 71 suttas. Uh, we're in the second of the five chapters called Chulavaga. In the second of the suttas in this chapter, there are 14, this is two which is called Amaganda, Amaganda Sutta. Translated by Tanisaro, he translated the title as Raw Stench Sutta, um, with the, which I'm going to look at first is the translation of the word Amaganda. And he wrote, People are defiled not by eating meat, but by engaging in evil conduct. And that's a critical matter in Buddhism. <clears throat> Uh, and Yeshua said, supposedly, it's not what a man puts in his mouth that causes sin, but what comes out. And so, uh, some people believe that they'll uh, achieve um, spiritual purification by diet alone. And Gautama is addressing, a, and that's not actually Gautama you'll see in the sutta, it's a previous Buddha. <coughs> so it's a kind of mythological story in the sutta. The last link I sent, um, dhammatalks.org, that's the um, translation of Amaganda Sutta. Now, <clears throat> the first of the other subsidiary links, definitions of Amaganda, uh, you've got two words here, Ama and Ganda. Ganda basically just means smell or scent. Ama, and so on the first page, and, and Ama is where you get your um, raw, <laughs> stenchy, fetid, nasty smell, nasty portion of or quality of the smell. Uh, <clears throat> so Amaganda, from the New Concise Poly English Dictionary, uh, as the smell of raw flesh. Wait, what is raw flesh, right? The, the hamburger meat in the store. The smell of raw flesh, or carry-on, meaning animals with decaying flesh bodies after death. Stench, foulness, moral foulness, corruption. Verminous odor, an odor of vermin, flesh. But it's, it's not just the flesh being raw, whatever that means, raw, I mean uncooked. <laughs> it's uncooked meat smell, uh, as well as dead decaying, corrupting flesh smell. So it's not uh, considered lovely. Interestingly, um, all of that ultimately comes from the, the prefix ama. <clears throat> and in the next link, that's the uh, leaf blower, of course, timed well for today's class outside the buzz. Sorry. Uh, ama actually is a term peculiar to Ayurveda. And <laughs> if you want the hardcore explanation, ama is immature rasha, rasa caused by diminished agni, meaning fire, prone to produce pathological syndromes uh, and endotoxin produced by incomplete digestion or transformation of edibles or metabolites due to diminished agni at respective levels. So it's basically the <clears throat> uh, pathological pathology 
um, resultant from inadequate digestion because of inadequate fire or digestive juices, acidity, or something like that. So, um, it's the way a smell of flesh or a body smells when rotting in the process of decomposition or decay. So, it's kind of natty and nasty. <clears throat> now, the wisdomlib.org write-up is has some mistakes. You know, everybody's got mistakes, even so-called uh, encyclopedic uh, sources. <laughs> These days, I see all sorts of mainstream news articles with spelling mistakes and typos and poor grammar. So, uh, there's some... <laughs> stress in the system uh, growing. The write-up of Amaganda Sutta um, mistakes the... it's basically a dialogue between the previous a, the previous Buddha Kasapa and a Brahmin ascetic named Tissa. And so in the write-up from Tanasaro on his site or the site that's devoted to his work called dhammatalks.org, uh, there's uh, the first intro saying, according to SNA, which I think is um, uh, Sanguta Ang... I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm not sure what SNA is. This poem is a dialogue between a Brahmin ascetic Tisa and the previous Buddha Kashapa who, unlike our Buddha, Gautama, meaning the Buddha of the current time, was born into a Brahmin caste, so <clears throat> uh, it's between a Brahmin ascetic... <laughs> I mean, what, there were Brahmins at the time of the previous Buddhas? Um, well, now we're getting into mythology, I think. Meanwhile, it's a vehicle for very straightforward uh, Buddha Dhamma teaching. So, the c assumption here is that the previous Buddha was born into the Brahmin caste versus Siddhartha Gautama <coughs> um, Shakyamuni, the current age Buddha, who was born to a Kshatriya or warrior caste. So the previous Buddha was born to a Brahmin caste, akin to this questioner Tissa, Tissa who was an ascetic, but obviously not a Buddha or not a Buddhist. And this is the dialogue of their encounter from the wisdomlib.org page <clears throat> it said a Brahmin which they're calling Amaganda it's really Tissa before the appearance of the Buddha in this world meaning before Siddhartha Gautama this Buddha now in our world Amaganda which is wrong it's Tissa became an ascetic and lived in the region of Himalaya with 500 pupils uh, you know so we're already talking mythology <clears throat> because certain numbers are commonly used in these suttas that are just fanciful. They ate neither fish nor flesh. Every year they came down from their hermitage in search of salt and vinegar, and the inhabitants of a village nearby received them with great honor and showed them every hospitality for four months. <clears throat> so there are many different ascetic groups that have um, annual schedules, annual cycles of um, movement and practice. So in Buddhism, there's the rains, vasana, vasana, a retreat period of three or four months during the time when Southeast Asia or India has monsoon rain. So 
Likewise, these Brahmin ascetics had something like that. And um, this, this sutta, as you'll see, <clears throat> is um, a very direct uh, criticism of Brahmin sadhus and guys that are doing austerity. So you'll see. The uh, overview goes on. Then one day the Buddha, meaning the old Buddha, Kashapa, the previous one, with his monks, so the, right, the idea is what, the previous Buddha also had monks in the whole setup, so it's probably a literary vehicle, but obviously there's some teaching here. So Kashapa Buddha, with his monks, visited the same village, and the people, having listened to his preaching, became his followers that year when Tisa and his disciples went, as usual, to the village. The householders did not show toward them the same enthusiasm as heretofore, meaning before. The Brahmin, uh, Tissa, inquiring what had happened, was full of excitement on hearing that the Buddha, meaning Tissa, had been born, and wishing to know if he ate Amaganda. And again, a mistake. It's not that he's eating Amaganda, it's if he's eating uh, meat and fish. That's all wishing to know if this Buddha is a vegetarian like he and his followers who are Brahmin ascetics are also. So he wished to know if this guy, Tissa, or um, Kashapa Buddha, also ate meat, by which he meant meat, fish, or flesh. He was greatly disappointed on learning that the Buddha did not forbid the eating of fish and flesh, but desiring to hear about it from the Buddha himself, he sought him at Jetawana, so what? There was a Jetawana back then too? I think there's a little confusion in the write-up here. The Buddha told him that uh, Amaganda, now here we're getting complicated, he told him that Amaganda meaning um, rotting flesh stench. So translated by Tanisaro Amaganda as raw stench. What is raw? Is it rather than cooked stench? <laughs> no. It's more like, I guess he didn't want to write it because... <laughs> Um, he didn't want to disgust people, perhaps. <laughs> it's carry-on flesh. Rotting, rotting flesh, rotting flesh stench. Fetid, f uh, fetid stench. Okay? <laughs> fetid, fetid flesh. There's actually some kind of musical group called Fetid Flesh. People are just so nihilistic and knocked down today that, uh... uh up is down and down is up. So he, he's wondering if the, you know, how is it that the Buddha allows eating fish and flesh and the Buddha is telling him, or this is sort of getting into the what the sutta presents, that amaganda or rotting flesh stench is actually about evil actions, meaning what's really rotten and fetid is not rotting meat, but your mind when you're outside of virtue. Your mind and your life and what you're becoming when you live immorally. That's rotting flesh stench. And so, and so then Kashapa goes on, it's he who wished to avoid it, meaning avoid the real rotting flesh stench should abstain from evil deeds of every kind. The same question had been put to Buddha Kashapa by an ascetic named Tisa, so it's a, this, this write-up is totally confused. The, the, the sutta is a recollection of the previous dialogue. So in giving an account of the, the conversation, Gautama uh, preaches the Amaganda Sutta. I think there's some... It's, 
this, the Amaganda Sutta may well be the Buddha talking in the first person of what happened in the previous dialogue. So anyway, the Brahmin ascetic Tissa and his followers entered the Sangha in a few days, became Arahants, just like that. And that 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 does happen. Um, meaning there are some people who are so well developed, they just have some mistaken views. They just have uh, a very thin cataract over their Dhamma eye, and then um, clear teaching or something occurs, and it's uh, pulled off, stripped off in a moment, or dissolved in a moment, and they see, or they go basically uh, to Arahant. What's interesting is these Brahman ascetics may well have been third stage awakened, meaning non-returners meaning three out of the four stages of awakening. So it sounds like, I think that it's a very fine point, and it's probably the case that uh, yogis or people doing deep practice from any tradition perhaps could get to third stage awakening but not finish. It's hard to say. Um, But in any case, these ascetics and um, their leader, Kisa, uh, made final awakening just by hearing the sutta, and that's very common. Um, meaning, in the days of Gautama, lots of people got one of one or multiple levels of awakening just by hearing. So let's jump in. Uh, the we can say that Gautama taught this in the first person of the dialogue between Tissa, the Brahman ascetic, and Buddha Kashapa. So, uh, it starts, I'll just read the whole thing through. It's very interesting, actually, and it's a pretty good translation. So, uh, Amaganda Sutta, uh, Rotting Flesh Stench Sutta. Tissa, quote, Those peacefully eating millet, Job's tears, green gram, Leaf fruit, tuber fruit, water chestnut fruit, obtained in line with the Dhamma, don't desire sensual pleasures or tell falsehoods. But when eating what is well made, well prepared, exquisite, given, offered by others, when consuming cooked rice, kashapa, he's addressing the Buddha here, one consumes a raw stench, one consumes amaganda. Yet you... Tissa talking to the Buddha. Yet you, kinsmen of Brahma, say raw stench is not proper for me. While consuming cooked food, while consuming cooked rice and the well-prepared fleshes of birds. So I ask you, Kasapa, the meaning of that. Of what sort is amaganda for you? What is amaganda? Meaning. The Buddha <laughs> Kashapa here says, um, we don't do Amaganda, meaning I'm not uh, participating in uh, rotting flesh stench uh, activity. Meaning, to the Brahmin, to, to the Brahmin Tisa, it means uh, don't eat meat and flesh and fish. And Buddha Kashapa is saying, I don't do Amaganda. Meanwhile, he indeed is consuming cooked rice and well-prepared fleshes of birds. 
you know, the language here shows you how raw things, it's, it is raw, <laughs> it's raw languaging, or raw um, perspective on life, you know, people die and bodies rot by the side of the path in the forests and the charnel grounds 2,500 years ago. India is a rough place even today. Um, it's not... <laughs> dead animals decaying by the roadside are not unusual at all in rural India. Even dead uh, or bleeding cows walking through uh, towns I saw in um, Varanasi cow that had been struck by a car and was bleeding in its hoof. It's nasty. And, you know, the whole place is filthy, really. And the government is totally asleep at the wheel, it seems. Uh, but it, life was raw 2,500 years ago then, too, it seems. Some things don't change. So what Tissa is having a problem with is the Buddha, Kasapa, says, I don't do Amaganda, meaning I'm not participating in what's commonly considered the, the, the rancid odor associated with fish and flesh eating, or fish and flesh uh, having a rancid odor, and therefore the yogi avoiding any of that by being vegetarian, and Gashapa and Gautama are not vegetarian. So they are consuming cooked rice given by others, well-made and well-prepared fleshes of birds, like a duck curry. Mmm. Uh, Burmese red coconut duck curry. Mm -mm -mm. So, or uh, green chicken curry from uh, Bangkok. Good stuff, actually. So, and that's what the Thai monks eat <laughs> all the time. So, he's asking, how is it that you don't eat, you don't do amaganda, but you eat meat? How can that be? And you're telling us that um, we don't know what we're doing eating, being vegan. These are basically Brahmin vegans. Vegan Brahmins. Which is, a, you know, the normal way there for Brahmin caste. And a lot of Indians. Uh, and and Buddha is saying that's not the Amaganda you should worry about <laughs> from, from physical meat and flesh. The Amaganda you better worry about is your mind which you will take with you. Um, which is really where the work is. So the Buddha Kashapa uh, addresses Tisa and uh, that goes nearly to the end of the sutta uh, and that's the heart of the teaching here. So, Buddha Kasapa, which is <laughs> completely in line with Buddha Gadama or um, the Buddha Dhamma that we have today, quote, killing living beings, hunting, cutting, binding, theft, lying, fraud, deceptions, useless recitations, associating with the wives of others, this is Amaganda, not the eating of meat. Those people here who are, meaning the, I'll just read it, those people here who are unrestrained in sensuality, greedy for flavors, mixed together with what's impure, annihilationists, discordant, and indomitable, this is Amaganda, not the eating of meat. Those who are rough, pitiless, eating the flesh off your back, betraying their friends, uncompassionate, arrogant, habitually ungenerous, giving to no one, this is Amaganda, not the eating of meat. 
anger, intoxication, stubbornness, hostility, deceptiveness, resentment, boasting, conceit, and pride, befriending those of no integrity. This is Amaganda, not the eating of meat. Those of evil habits, debt repudiators, informers, cheats in trading, counterfeiters, vile men who do evil things. This is Amaganda, not the eating of meat. Those people here who are unrestrained toward beings, taking what's others, intent on injury, immoral hunters, harsh, disrespectful. This is Amaganda, not the eating of meat. Those who are very greedy, constantly intent on hindering and killing beings who, beings who, after passing away, go to darkness, fall headfirst into hell. This is Amaganda, not the eating of meat. No fish and meat, this means vegetarianism. No fasting, he's saying no vegetarianism, nor no fasting, no nakedness, no shaven head, no tangled hair, no rough animal skins, no performance of fire oblations, or the many austerities to become immortal in the world, no chance, no oblations, no performances of sacrifices at the proper season, none of that, meaning purify a mortal who hasn't crossed over doubt. One should go about guarded with respect to those things, one's faculties understood, standing firm in the Dhamma, delighting in being straightforward and mild. Attachments passed, all suffering ended, or all suffering abandoned, the enlightened one isn't smeared by what's heard or seen. End quote. That's the end of his teaching to Tissa. Thus the Blessed One explained the meaning again and again. The one, meaning Tissa the Brahmin ascetic, the one who had mastered chance understood it. With variegated verses, meaning manifold or, or various, with variegated verses the sage, free from Amaganda, unfettered, indomitable, indomitable, proclaimed it. Hearing the awakened one's well-spoken word, free from Amaganda, dispelling all stress, the one with lowered mind paid homage to the Tathagata, chose the going forth right there. So, uh, eating meat is not evil, uh, but <laughs> doing various forms of immorality is. And so, the first we see the vegan's perspective. The vegan's perspective is, uh, I am virtuous by way of my diet, period. <laughs> I achieve purity by my mouth, by what I put into my body. Purity is achieved by what I put into my body. Well, clearly there's, you know, detoxing and the value of juicing and all sorts of foods that are helpful to the body. There's nourishing and there's detox, right? There's cleaning up and building it up. And so both are important and uh, 
There's a value to a non-meat diet, obviously, and vegetable and fruit and all sorts of things. That's not what's being discussed here. We're not talking about health benefits. We're talking about mind and liberation. We're talking about uh, bondage to suffering and reincarnation, bondage to reincarnation and dukkha by way of um, mind distortion or evil or impurity that um, can be, that ought to be taken uh, away or addressed and healed and resolved and released by the yogic path. That's the path. And so, what's the path? <laughs> Is the path critically uh, purification by diet? Uh, the Buddha says no. The Buddha says no, not at all. And so the Brahmin vegan basically says, hey, we're just like, uh, you know, grass eaters. We eat all this uh, natural stuff. We don't desire sensual pleasures. Um, yes, a vegan diet definitely reduces sexual desire commonly. Or tell falsehoods. Well, that those are quite different. So, um, but you can see how simple, I mean, this is obviously slanted to Buddhism, but um, it's a very simple kind of equation for some for Tissa here. Um, eating a vegan diet, quote, pure diet, eating a vegan diet peacefully, <laughs> peacefully eating a non-meat uh, or animal-based diet. Uh, I don't have sensual attachment or tell lies. <laughs> okay. Meanwhile, he was actually very close to complete and perfect enlightenment, but he had certain views um, that perhaps were obstructi ob obstructive. So he contrasts um, his view that vegan asceticism is um, uh, purificatory, uh, is um, metaphysically, spiritually purifying and leads to freedom from all evil and therefore higher rebirth or moksha and what about you Mr. Kasapa Buddha you're talking about uh, I don't do amaganda meanwhile you eat uh, cooked rice meaning they eat you, you see the, the real Brahmin vegans the Brahmin ascetic vegan is eating raw food only only raw food raw food no cooked, um, no grain, not, not much grain, ultimately, I guess, and certainly not flesh and fish. So he's saying, uh, you, you talk against Amaganda, meanwhile you eat meat and fish and flesh, uh, how can that be? And see, this is a case of a Brahmin who's very um, well, <laughs> even though he's got some wrong view. Um, He's actually open-minded and receptive, very, and that's nice. He's not an angry vegetarian. He's a, he's a he's probably a third stage adept before he even uh, met uh, Kashapa. So then the Buddha Kashapa answers, and basically we can see what um, aspects of Panchasila and um, the aspects of five or ten moral codes for monks and lay people in Buddhism. And, and a long, long listing of immoral activity that, pr that establishes a raw stench or rotting flesh smell to the being. 
and it's very possible to see somebody and see the evil of their mind. I can see that all the time. <laughs> no problem. That's why I was a threat. So, no problem. I can see your evil in your mind. And and uh, many people, not many, but uh, some people who've developed along the way um, that way with that particular power or ability um, can do so too. Meaning it's all available for, for all to see, but only those with eyes to see can see. Um, but there is a stench surrounding... There, there, I mean, some people are hev- heavily astrally parasitized. Some human leaders. <laughs> many human leaders. Um, many successful human um, big shots uh, in this field or that have um, very significant astral parasitizing or parasitization, meaning they're parasitized, meaning they got astral entities all around them. And one can see it or sense it or feel it uh, and just know it uh, and also see the, the, the ugliness of their mind. Uh, although they have polished white teeth and clean, uh, you know, clean clothing or fancy clothing, there's ugly, the, the, the mind is very ugly, an ugly mind <laughs> versus a beautiful mind. So lots of humans uh, are at high levels of society with a very ugly mind and a black heart and um, they smell. <laughs> uh, that was, uh, if you saw K-Pax, one of the people in the mental institution was saying the smell of something or other. He was the guy who was the doorman, and he had a psychotic episode or something. He was talking about the smell. But um, negative entities, negative astral, I mean, astral negatives and higher 40 negative have a smell common. I mean, you know, the devil comes with fire and brimstone or sulfur and sulfur and um, that, that kind of infernal odor. Um, likewise, negative entities or humans that are full of perversion and wicked, you know, people who do these things. And uh, uh, recently, Rick Wiles, talking True News, was talking about um, blood, you know, the, the, the ordering death brings spirits who hound you. Demons hound the murderer. Yeah, of course. Of course. Demons hound the wicked. Demons surround and hound and go to sleep with and and uh, infiltrate the wicked. So killing living beings, hunting, cutting, binding, torturers, theft, lying, fraud, deceptions. These are some pretty macro level, you know, <laughs> wrong actions. But then he goes deeper into crit- critique of uh, the sadhu and um, the Brahmin path to some degree. Useless recitations. And so that's broken with Sotapanna, the fetter of attachment to rites and rituals, believing that mere performance purifies. Uh, mind purifies mind, not physical behavior. And then associating with the wives of others. Uh, meaning adultery, and so um, I think, and uh, some of these are Panchashila, and then we get into more detail. And I think he was addressing that he could probably see in the community of Brahmin ascetic vegans 
that some um, that that some actually were not very not virtuous in mind or had some real blockage. Uh, this fellow uh, Tissa, the the Brahmin, was uh, very purified already. Actually, it's just that he had certain wrong views. It seems. Uh, going on, he's talking Gautama's or uh, Kasapa's uh, arguing or not arguing, but presenting other aspects of what what creates this the, a, a nasty stench, <laughs> a, a, a rotten odor, a rotten odor um, of immorality. So unrestrained sensuality, greedy for flavors, and then we have some very interesting words here. Annihilationists. And I had to look this up. Um, Of course, it means somebody who believes in ultimate annihilation. Hey, hey, you mean the materialist, or the nihilist, or the atheist, or the charvakas? The, the heresy of materialism. Yes, they are annihilationists. And so they believe in ultimate self-annihilation. The Western philosophical meaning or interpretation of the word annihilation, I- I- annihilationist is really from annihilationism, which seems to be some philosophical perspective uh, already studied that believes that Unless the person or soul is saved, it will ultimately be annihilated. And so, of course, you can't destroy light, actually. You can rearrange it, but you can't destroy it. And so the annihilationist is the one who believes, uh, I will be destroyed at death. I is nothing more than temporary apparent personality housed in a mortal physical body that will go to the dirt and break up and I will be I shall be annihilated <laughs> that's what these people around us believe many 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 particularly the more intellectual and socially successful are kind of hardened annihilationists a materialist an atheist a skeptic actually most of them are not really skeptics they're actually um, atheists or they just <laughs> they pretend to be skeptic. They just want to refute anything that's not materialist philosophy. They are annihilationists. They believe in their own ultimate annihilation. Well, more power to you, Bo. Have a good time. Um, you will be surprised when you are not annihilated, um, <laughs> but you're in a dark place after you die. Discordant and indomitable Discordant is also a very interesting... We went through this before in the previous sutta. Um, the sutta was... Tanasaro dropped the, uh, the Pali on these pages. It's wrong. The, the, the sutta about the sage, the Muni, Muni sutta. You know. <laughs> anyway. Um, note 11 was the term Sama in Visama... Sama Samadhi, Samaditi, right view, right concentration. Sama means right, but it actually means even, E-V-E-N, an instrument tuned on pitch. What is right is harmonious. It's proportional. It sounds good. It's pleasant. It's pleasing. It's mild and straightforward. And so, not too tight, not too loose, um, from... 
on Guttaranikaya here, you see in this note 11 from the page, I'll send this link for you, those who are not flying along. Uh, when, Gata when, when Kashapa is saying, um, um, the annihilationist, the one who believes in ultimate destruction of what I is, after death, uh, is discordant, it means they're wrong. <laughs> and so, sama as right, or even, this is uh, visama, I think, um, wrong or discordant and uneven and unfitting, unfitted, disharmonious, discordant as a um, misfitting. And so, uh, going the wrong way on in spiritual development uh, sounds a bad note, and for us, for one with ears to hear, there's eyes to see and ears to hear, one can see where people are going the wrong way. I mean, it's possible to see how somebody is caught by a wrong view and continuing to develop themselves in accord with a wrong view, like materialism or annihilationism, materialism or atheism, which is basically associated with or essentially a cover for annihilationism, being an annihilationist. <clears throat> so it's possible to hear the discordant view, the discordant note of wrong view, of mistake. It's possible. And so how do I know it's true? Because it's true, <laughs> because I hear the sound of, of sama, the sound of evenness, or harmony, or um, resonance with heart and six ray, oh ho, resonance with green, blue, indigo. And so, um, I just thought it was a very important... Um, little, kind of, uh, little, little cherry on the top there to acknowledge to that um, that one form of <laughs> uh, mistaken living or mistaken view or what is associated with a, a, a rotting stench, rotting meat stench is the commitment to annihilationism and the other one is that the annihilationists are indomitable Indomitable means cannot be domitated, domitable, cannot be domitized, cannot be dominated, cannot be tamed. The untamable mm, materialists who are ultimately annihilationists. They are untamable, excuse me, <laughs> they're untamable, meaning you can't work, they can't work out of their conviction. These are the convicted materialists. They're self-convicted. They have. They believe they have certainty that I will be destroyed at death of the physical. I am destined for annihilation. What a fucked up mind. I am destined for annihilation. That is what they believe. And uh, Rick Wiles taught me, the Lord takes no pleasure in the punishment of the wicked. Okay, I have to learn that one. But uh, those who are steeped in selfish activity and wrong view materialism 
are commonly <laughs> um, untamable and cannot leave their conviction for this lifetime and will die um, very confused. Other forms of um, rotting meat, flesh, smell, stench, being rough. This is sort of, some men are this way. Rough, pitiless, and then he makes a little uh, kind of um, subtle, <laughs> subtle joke here. Eating the flesh off your back, meaning people who are really committed to aggression and um, um, punishment, you know, kind of uh, not just backbiting. It's really... Um, sadistic, moderately sadistic. I like hurting you, taking pleasure in the punishment of others, whether they're wicked or not, um, is akin to eating the flesh off their back, which is the real form of eating flesh that leads to a raw stench or a uh, carry-on odor. This tusuta could also be called carry-on odor or rotten, rotten stench or meat-rotting stench, uh, decomposition, fetid smell. So um, those are the people who are really eating wrongly, is people who are uh, voluntary, you know, uh, deliberately hurting others for pleasure. Betraying friends, uncompassionate, arrogant, habitually ungenerous. So habitually ungenerous to be ungenerous sometimes, like the beggar on the street asked me for money and I said no. That's ungenerous? Maybe. Depends. Depends. But if it's done once, I mean, that may not even be, because there may be certain circumstances why it's probably better not to give to that person. But habitually ungenerous is a problem. Giving to no one. Beyond that, anger, stubbornness, right? There's a certain kind of stubbornness that is receptive and a stubbornness that's totally blocked unreceptive. Deceptiveness, resentment, right, carrying a grudge, boasting conceit and pride, very popular these days, as the human mind decays, uh, conceit rises. Befriending those of no integrity. There really are some very wonderful uh, terms being used here by Kashapa Buddha or Gautama Buddha saying Kashapa Buddha said it, uh, indicating forms of um, immoral living, thought, word, and deed. Uh, befriending those of no integrity. Befriending those of no integrity. <laughs> you better know what you got to know what integrity is, and then one would need to look at one's friends. Um, how many of my friends seem to have no... Do, do any of my friends have no integrity? What is integrity? Right? <laughs> I mean, the, the point is, one can believe whatever the heck one wants about God and the angels and creation and destiny. But if you don't live morally, you're going to hell. <laughs> if you don't live morally, you're going to trouble. You're going to go into trouble. Meaning you might not even get to the astral city. You first maybe a hungry ghost or go to a hell realm. It doesn't matter what you believe. It matters how you live. That's as far as I know. You know? I mean, Tisa, the Brahmin vegan ascetic, um, was one hearing away from complete and perfect enlightenment. But he had a lot of wrong views. 
Um, but I would assume he had a very purified mind and morality and heart, and very clear awareness, very well uh, trained and transformed mind. Lots of sama samadhi, <laughs> lots of right or even or harmonious um, concentration and clarity development. But um, its morality, uh, thought, word and deed, but particularly word and deed, that determines what happens after death very significantly. So uh, be careful if you befriend those of neo-integrity and then evil habits, and then this is associated with some money. Some people are money hounds. Debt repudiators. No, I don't owe it to you. I'm not going to pay you back. I'll pay you later. I'll pay you later. Just wait. Why do you keep pushing me? I told you I'll pay you back. <laughs> That's called no integrity. Counterfeiter. Vile men who do evil things. Uh, <laughs> just turn on your television and look at the news and look at some Google images and you'll see them. People here, and so this people here means some people in the community of uh, Tissa and the Brahman ascetics, I guess, are unrestrained towards others, taking what's others, intent on injury, I like hurting, like that. Immoral hunters, so basically um, t uh, Kashapa is turning around wordplay, uh, redefining um, a rotten stench is not born of eating meat. It's born of uh, an immoral mind uh, and speech and way of living. And and hunting meat may not be the problem. Hunting animal, I mean, Buddhism doesn't encourage hunting, by the way. So, But this is uh, immoral hunters, hunters of immorality, harsh and disrespectful. So any of those qualities, obviously, are not supported on the path and not purified by veganism. Uh, those who are very greedy, right, not just a little, a lot, constantly intent on hindering and killing. This is uh, more common, you know, in war zones. Beings who, after passing away, go to darkness, fall head first into hell. Yes, sir. That's right. So... <laughs> This serious stuff, I think, seems to me. Uh, and so then there's um, um, a very, you know, a, a, a straight, <laughs> I don't know whether this is an uppercut or a left uh, swing to the head. Now he's saying, your whole uh, sadhu life um, doesn't save you, won't save you. Meanwhile, it got Tisa very close to the gateway to Nibban. So, avoiding meat and fish, and then the things that sadhus do. Fasting, nakedness, shaven head, or tangled hair, rough animal skins like Shivaism, Shaivism, Shiva worshippers, doing puja, um, fire ritual, um, respect, you know, mantras to Agni, chants, oblation, sacrifices, many austerities uh, to develop tas, um, tapas, uh, to become an immortal in the world. And that's an interesting thing. Some part, some of um, Brahman, yogic, ascetic ritual, asceticism and ritual is uh, geared towards becoming 
uh, immortal in the physical body or having longevity. They love the physical world. So some, some are like that. There are all sorts of interesting views they have. <laughs> but all that stuff won't purify one who hasn't crossed over doubt. Doubt. Now that's another matter uh, distinct from so-called immoral thought, word, and deed. Doubt. Doubt. Doubt in what? Doubt in Buddha Dhamma Sangha, for sure. Doubt in Buddha's teaching. Doubt in this teaching. Doubt in the teaching that morality and purification, transformation, is not achieved by diet. And so, if you don't know how transformation is done, or what green-blue indigo is all about, you know, green-blue indigo is not activated by a vegan diet. It may be, it may not be. Depends. For some people, I imagine it is. But not per se, not by necessity. A vegan diet does not, by necessity, activate green-blue indigo, as far as I can tell. Um, nor does a meat diet, per se, uh, lead to immoral thought, word, and deed. I mean, Tibetan Buddhists eat meat, Theravada monks, Burma, Sri Lanka, Thailand, all eat meat. They eat what they're given. And that's that. And then they go on to something more important than eating after they finish the meal. And so, um, doubt, however, um, doubt in what works, doubt in what's necessary or what's to my long-term welfare and benefit, right? All Buddha Dhamma is teaching uh, geared towards what uh, Gautama and uh, Tissa or any, uh, I'm not Tissa, but Kashapa or any other Buddha knows or believes to be to our long-term welfare and benefit. And we have lots of doubt. <laughs> doubt in ourselves, but this, we're talking not here about um, I don't know if I can make it, I don't know if I'm good or bad. It's not really, it's doubt in the way, doubt in the path, doubt regarding what's necessary and important and what's um, unnecessary or harmful. What's helpful, what's harmful, what's essential, what's not, what I ought to do, what I ought to avoid. Those are also critical doubts or topics of, uh, you know, foci for doubt, focuses upon which, uh, foci upon which people have a lot of doubt. And, you know, <laughs> don't look to humanity for guidance, please. <laughs> please. Don't look to your peers or people around us for guidance. They generally are clueless like we may be, or they often don't know much. And so trust yourself and keep seeking to know and clear up doubt, which really means answer your own questions. One should go about guard, guarded with, respect to the, with regard to these things. And so Buddhism is very strong about self-restraint. Um, it's not suppression if it's honestly, consciously, deliberately done. I will deliberately restrain my speech and action so as not to hurt you or not to hurt me or not to get in trouble or when I think I should take a break or wait. Uh, guarding the mind and therefore guarding speech and action um, is very important to Buddhism. And another reason people don't like it, you know, it's the opposite of uh, do what thou wilt. <laughs> so this is not do what the hell you want. This is be careful and learn the way. Learn the way and live in accord with the way, um, which is also called the Dhamma or the path, 
or Buddha Dhamma and the teaching, learn it and live in accord with it. That's it. And um, if you want to do what your own, if you want to do your own thing all the time, you will experience the consequences of it, which will be dukkha and sukha dukkha, sukha dukkha, dukkha dukkha, and uh, that's about it. <laughs> sukha dukkha or dukkha dukkha. Those are the two choices, I think. And so one should be careful. That's a very deep Buddhist perspective. Standing firm in Dhamma, delighting in being straightforward and mild. What a lovely phrase. Be straightforward and mild. And that's really wonderful. Attachments past, suffering abandoned, so that's the end of the way, the end of the path. The enlightened one isn't smeared by what's seen or heard, heard or seen. Smeared. Um, you know, for the fully balanced entity, no situation would create would cause emotional charge. No for the fully balanced entity, no situation would generate emotional charge, would create emotional charge. Raw set, meaning they're not smeared. <laughs> smeared, they're not self-smeared. Self-smeared by catalytic triggering is not happening. Self-smearing is finished. The enlightened one isn't smeared by what's heard or seen. And that's really what it's all about, what we hear and what we see. You know? I mean, what we touch... Um, is catalyst that may be triggering, but particularly, uh, commonly, mainly, generally, it seems to be what we hear, what people say to us, or what we're listening to, and then what we see visually or where we're looking, um, leads to reaction, right? The forming, the fashioning of experience from catalyst. So the catalyst of what we hear and see, and obviously the catalyst of what we touch or smell, but particularly catalyst of hearing, seeing, uh, then may well trigger us to distorted response, fashioning smeared experience, self-smearing by distorted response to catalyst, triggered us to emotional charge, meaning lower triad blockages remain. So the blessed one or the one who's finished with the path doesn't do that. They don't react to distortion with, the, with distortion. <laughs> they don't react to phenomena by triggering. They're not triggered by phenomena. And, um, you know, I think that's something <laughs> noble to seek um, freedom from emotional distorted distortion triggering, not smearing yourself. So, Blessed One explained the meaning again and again. <laughs> so they know this is repetitive, right? And being repetitive is very useful if it's coming from a source of great wisdom. The one who had mastered chance understood it. He knows it. He got it. He's a mantrayani. He's been doing his mantras. So he had a lot of concentration. He had a lot of discipline. He had a lot of restraint. He just had certain wrong views about what what is wrong, what, what is mm, virtue-vice, thinking that mm, a meat diet is, is vicious and a pure plant, a plant diet pure, right? Is it pure? Gautama is really saying, purity is not found uh, by diet. There is no pure diet. There's a pure mind. <laughs> so somebody somebody said uh, about the current time, there are no truly safe places in this current time at the end of third density and earth changes and dot dot dot. There really are no totally self safe places, but you can be a safe person, or there are safe people or there are areas where the people 
are a bit more virtuous than somewhere else. So going through hardship with a lot of people of no integrity around you is dangerous. Going through hardship with more people around you who are virtuous or have integrity is a little bit safer. Important point. And so um, not only is this this a very sophisticated sutta, actually. There's a lot of sophisticated um, uh, teaching, I'd say. Sophisticated in the sense that it's refined and uh, subtle, deep and subtle, and very uh, finely finely um, uh, expressive, like even at the end of this uh, final verse, uh, aware that there has been a lot of repetition here, again and again he explained the meaning, and that the term indomitable, as Tanisaro notes, is used again. So the annihilationists are indomitable, untamable, and uh, unmovable in their conviction that they shall be annihilated at the end of the physical life. The materialist and the atheist and the skeptic and the nihilist, they are sure. Therefore, they're indomitable in their distortion. Then, though, it's said that with variegated verses, meaning all the different ways of teaching here, free from uh, maganda, meaning there ain't no raw stench, there is no rotted flesh smell here, unfettered, meaning the ten fetters are finished, indomitable too. He's also indomitable. Aha. Uh-huh. So he is untamable too. So the annihilationist is indomitable, and Gotama is, or, or uh, Kashapa, is indomitable. And so Tanisaro, who is himself very literary, meaning um, could be a, probably a good writer and poet, wrote then that, he wrote note three, Notice that being indomitable, um, a amaganda, meaning raw stench or uh, fetid odor, in the discordant person in the annihilationist, becomes a positive trait in the awakened. Um, and he says, this sort of contrast provides the basis for the wordplay that Sutta Napata, the whole series, occasionally uses to describe the awakened in a paradoxical way. It's not really in paradoxical. Um, one can be indomitable, one can be stubbornly certain, stubbornly unmovable in wrong view, one can be stubbornly or um, unshakable in right view. So stubborn wrong-headedness can lead to uh, unshakable knowing and <laughs> right living. And that's the that's not paradox, really. It's just how um, certain qualities of mind are neutral. They're, they're evolutionarily neutral. And this is a very important, subtle point. The truck driver who does 16-hour long hauls with patience and courage and some faith and works through loneliness works through fatigue, um, has self-trust, has some self-confidence, and then goes off to, you know, uh, uh, 
to get drunk or wasted in the bar when he comes home. Um, the qualities that that are developed um, by his occupation are qualities that will continue uh, for the rest of the spiritual path through further incarnations. And so you can do something harmful in the right way, <laughs> doing the wrong thing for the right reasons, or uh, developing universal virtues and qualities of mind um, while being wrong-headed and then finding that one um, can become unshakable in truth when one clears it all up. And so there are certain qualities of soul, qualities of character, e essential foundational qualities of, of mind or green-blue, actually that are developed at earlier in earlier incarnations when the person's desires are lower or their ways are more toxic or distorted. Those qualities are retained all the way up as their desires elevate to more um, seeking of polarization and service. And so uh, the person who's a common laborer, as they say, may have some highly virtuous, uncommon qualities as well uh, that are very dhammic or um, beneficial to their soul evolution, even though their view is limited and some of their desires are self-centered or um, sensual, you know, <laughs> lower rather than higher, body-focused body rather than mind-spirit or self-centered rather than, you know, appreciating service or something. So, Gautama is indomitable, or Kashapa is indomitable in his own way. And so then, bang, the end of the sutta is that um, the Brahma, the Brahmin, uh, Tissa, got it. And uh, he was, uh, even the phrase, the one with lowered mind, paid homage to the Tathagata, lowered mind. He was humbled. He was wrong. He admitted, yeah, you're right, bro, I didn't know. Uh, moral Morality brings fetid stench. Or, you know, morality, uh, the quality of morality when it's, you know, immoral, or when it's by quality of morality that one may get a fetid stench or a rotted meat smell. By the mind, by the character, by the quality of a personhood, not by diet. So... Very interesting um, sutta, I think, and I hope you enjoyed it too. Uh, next week we go to something called the Hiri. Hiri sounds Japanese. Hiri sutta, um, and we'll have two different translations. Uh, what is a true friend? Is the title. It's a very small. <laughs> It's a very short, simple uh, sutta. Short, simple sutta. So I'll read both translations, and then we'll talk about friendship. Friendship from a Buddhist perspective, friendship from universal perspective. Um, what is friendship? And so, in any case, <laughs> uh, in keeping with the shorter policy here, I hope this was useful. Lots of rich 
information and um, perspectives I think uh, we could find here. So, thank you for being here. I hope you enjoyed it. Take good care of yourselves, and good night.